Jesus says that when we pray, we ought to pray without doubting. Pray as though it has already happened. Now, we can't pray for things that are out of the will of God, such as, I'll just use something frivolous, God help me to win the lottery. That's not a God-centered prayer. God says, I will answer your prayer according to my will in your life. So a double-minded person, the Bible says, is unstable in all of his ways. And I pray that your mind would be fixed. Your mind would be uh, firmly founded upon the Word of God, not on media, not on news reports, not on what other people say, but on Almighty God. This virus threat only drives believers in the Lord Jesus Christ closer to the Lord. Any time in history, you and I can find it, is that when there is persecution upon the church of God, there's always been an influx of followers. The followers of Jesus Christ are true blue. But in other religions, you find that where you smack the, the leader and it seems like numbers fall, but not with the Lord. As unbelievers, and here's the thing, unbelievers, this virus is not the beginning of your source of anxiety. It's not the beginning of your source of worry. You've had that long before. And if you're watching today, I want to encourage you to have hope, and not in the scientists, but in God, who can use scientists. The cure may come from a scientist. Uh, the therapies may come from scientists, but we know our great God and King can use anybody he wants to, and he has used them throughout centuries. So as an unbeliever, uh, this thing is very probably uh, problematic for you. And uh, it's, it's something that, you know, you're struggling with for peace for a long time, even before this came, but now even much more so. So I want to give you something concerning this. I want to give you a long view and a short view. What do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, in the long view, I think we need to have the mentality to know that our lives need to be surrendered to God. That's the long view. I mean, the, the overarching aspect of this is that we need to be surrendered to God. The Bible says, and this is what in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness, and, and all these things will be added unto you. That's what the Bible says. And so I'll show that to you, Max, Matthew 6, 33. That's what it says. And so this must be the rule of our life. This, does not, not, this must not be an exception. This must be the rule. Seek ye first. Now, I want to, if you have a copy, a hard copy, or if you have a way to highlight, I want you to underline that word or highlight the word first. God wants his business taken care of first. It's almost like God is saying, take care of my business, and I'll take care of your business. Take care of my business, and I'll take care of your business, even in the light of what's going on around you. Hey, all of us have a life. All of us have things to do, things that are pulling at us. And God says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. That means that we're seeking first to spread his good news. That's what it is. It's seeking first the kingdom of God, how to expand the kingdom of God about his death, his burial, his resurrection, his hope, his peace in one's lives that is totally surrendered to him. Seek ye first that objective. 
So as you go about your life, seek first how to accomplish that. And God says, all these other things, I'm going to take control of those, and I'm going to answer them, and I'm going to take care of your business. I love that. So if you're struggling with peace for a long time, I want to ask you something. Consider surrendering your life to Christ. You know that word surrender is almost like a battle term. We use it in battle many times when they throw up the, 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 the white flag back in the day. Or in sometimes in a boxing ring, they'll throw in the towel, which means that particular boxer is surrendering. It means that all rights, he's surrendering to what? Someone that is greater. Or in a, um, a battle scenario, it's the, 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 uh, the person is or, the, or the, the nation is surrendering to a greater force. So when we surrender our life to God, we're saying, God, you're greater. And we're surrendering to someone that is greater. And we're going to seek your kingdom first. And that's what Jesus said, Matthew 6, 33. Now, if you're still there, I want to continue reading there. Because this is what Jesus says about this thing of, of, of worry. And I want you to allow these words to penetrate your heart, penetrate your mind. Here's what it says down in verse number, I'm going to pick up in verse number 25. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit of his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now if God so clothes the grass of the field, which, is today, which, is, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will, not, will, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Or what, shall he, or what shall we drink? Or what shall we eat? Or what shall we wear? For after, he says, do not, I'm sorry, <laughs> therefore do not worry about these things. For after the, all these things, the Gentiles seek. That means he's referring to Gentiles as unbelievers. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So Jesus, that's Jesus speaking. Jesus didn't tell them uh, to stop worrying, just to, just to stop worrying, but he tells them to do what? He tells them to replace that worry with, with a concern for the what? The kingdom of God. Back in uh, verse number 33. So you're taking the things, in this specific instance, maybe you're worrying about catching the virus. Or maybe you're worrying about the loved one that has already caught the virus. Or maybe you're worrying about someone that's asymptomatic and you're being exposed to it. Worry, worry, worry. All three cases. Jesus is saying, although the word COVID-19 is not in here, Jesus is saying these things that you worry about, you're going to have to, because God won't, he won't override your will, you're going to have to willingly replace the worry with getting concerned about the kingdom of God. And God says, I will take care of these other things. Now, folks, it's just trust. That's what you got to do. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to just go out and say, God, you're going to protect me, so I'm going to walk out in the middle of the highway, and you're going to protect me. No, you got to use common sense. you still got to sanitize yourself. you got to still use some common sense on this thing and wash your hands and things like that. 
But God's saying, I will take care of you. Trust me. And now he's either Lord or he's a liar. And I'm not saying that in a despairing way or in a condescending way, but that's truth. God is either true or he's lying. God says, you be care- You take care of my business. I'm going to take care of your business. Don't worry about these things. Live in victory. Live in peace. Live in hope. So I want to give you something, and I want you to write it down if you're one of th- that takes notes. A habit or a, 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 a passion in your life can only be given up for a greater habit or a greater passion. A few months ago in our men's group called Chiseled, we went through a series of studies for men, and we learned that any habit that we have in our lives cannot just be stopped. It must be replaced with something greater. You just can't void out uh, of that habit. You've got to replace it with something. And so God says, I will take your worry if you'll take my concern about promoting the kingdom of God. Make that your most important thing in your life. You may work for the gas company. You may work for the water company. You may be a school bus driver. You may be a a teacher, a professor, whatever it may be. God says, be my follower in those careers. First of all, be a Christian. Don't just, first of all, set your Christianity to the side when you walk into the business place. Or right now, you're sitting at home probably telecommunicating. But you be a, a follower of the Lord Jesus. Just the other day, I heard about someone that was trying to be lighthearted in this uh, situation that we're facing of a virus, and, and they were trying to get their team uh, to be more lighthearted uh, on their telecommunications uh, conference calls and things like that, and they had a picture of the Last Supper, and they were superimposing the people on staff with the pictures sitting around the, the Last Supper uh, there at the table of Jesus, and there was a Christian on that team, and uh, the director asked that person on the team to to uh, send in his picture, and he would superimpose his pictures to be one of the followers of Jesus there at the uh, on the, the Last Supper. And that person says, I don't feel comfortable doing something like that. And it kind of took the supervisor back and says, I'm a follower of the one that we're really making light of during this time, and that's the Lord Jesus. And he wouldn't do it. And I commended that person. And I don't know that person personally. I just use that as an illustration. Uh, we don't do that with other religions during this time, so why is Christianity open uh, for mock and ridicule and lightheartedness. We serve one that is greater than all, who gave his life for us. We just celebrated that Good Friday a week ago and Easter Sunday. And now here we are taking light of that. Folks, that's not the time for this. There's never a time for that. And good for you uh, out there that are standing true for the word of God and for your Savior that you uh, love and you're loyal to and all aspects of it. Never let anything be said of your Lord in a disparaging way. His name is holy. Don't even use his name in vain in anything. And if it's a picture, if it's his name, anything like that, seek first the expansion of his kingdom. And God says, I'll take care of you. You're my child. You're the apple of my eye. I died for you. You're never out of my so high, uh, my sight. I am there with you right now. I'm leading you. I'm guiding you. And who are we to join in and taking light of some, something like this? So I want to give you these things. 
The Bible also tells us that Jesus didn't only say that. He goes on and says this, and I want you to look at it. I want to give you another verse here. It's down in verse number 34, and, uh, and he says this, Whoever desires to come after me, this is in Mark chapter 8, I'm sorry. Whoever desires to come after me, let him take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. For what shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what, man, or what will a man give in exchange for a soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man will also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Oh, I'm telling you, I thank God for people that will stand up for the Lord Jesus Christ. Don't let anybody make fun of them, and even in a, in a way like that I just mentioned. Let me ask you something. Have you surrendered your life to God? Have you thrown in the red, the, the, the white flag, the white towel? Have you uh, waving the high, the surrender, knowing that you are up against someone that's greater? You're not the king of the universe. You may be the king of your little castle, and I'm not saying that condescending because we can really make ourselves into something that we're not. I'm asking you to surrender to God, the one who created you, but more importantly, the one who loves you more than you love yourself. Now think about that. Loves you more than you love yourself, and I know you love yourself. And I want you to entertain this, that there's one that we will have to stand and give an account of all that we've done, all that we said, and that will be him. That will be our creator. Have you surrendered your life to him? Oh, I pray that you have. But also, that's the long view, but I want to give you the short view, and I'm done. The short view is this. Concentrate your energies on living one day at a time. Don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about next month. Don't worry about how the state's going to open. Don't worry about how, uh, how, how the process is going to be. Don't worry about your, your job and when you're going to come back. Don't, don't worry about how, what all the job has to do and all the decisions that the management has to do. Don't worry about all those things. It's easy to do because when you're home, your mind wanders. Concentrate your energy on one day at a time. Now, let me give you a verse. It's Matthew 6, 34. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry. Now, I want you to underline, do not. Do not worry about what? Tomorrow. That's what the Bible says. For tomorrow will worry about its own things, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. That means that we should take one day at a time. That means that God, now listen to me, that means that God gives you strength, grace, peace, hope, whatever you want to plug into that for today. And then you know what he does? He shuts our bodies down and we rest. That's enough. God knows what we can handle. And he says, one day is enough for you. Then I got to shut you down. I don't know about you, but I sleep every day. There's not been a time in my life where I've stayed up uh, a week. I can't do it. Why? Because God didn't create us like that. God knows what we can handle. He knows that one 24-hour day, and then you need to take rest. And he shuts our bodies down. Most people I know sleep every day. Not one person that I know sleeps once a week. Why? Because the burden, the worry, the concern would be too great for us. God never sleeps. He can handle it all. But we need to shut down and just zone out and sleep. And some folks take pills to stay up because I guess they want to worry more. Um, they want to have anxiety in their life. Some folks take sleeping pills in order to shut themselves down because of the load is so heavy that day. I'm telling you, God knows what he's done. And it's been that way from the, creator, from the creation. You are concerned with the things that are happening today. And God says, do not worry about tomorrow. The things that are going to happen tomorrow, God says, as a follower of me, I will give you the strength to handle that. Paul, and a, and a, a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, who was the one that God used to write most of the New Testament, 
said this, Lord, I have a thorn. He didn't tell us what the thorn was. It could have been his eyesight. It could have been his physical health. It could have been somebody opposed to him, an enemy of the gospel. I don't know what the thorn was. But anyway, it was a great deterrent to, for, for Paul in, in many areas, and it caused Paul great concern. And he prayed to the Lord on three different occasions about, God, would you remove this thorn? And God never did. And this was God's answer to Paul. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you for today. And, God, and he always had that thorn. I don't know what it was. So as we're going through this time, I want you to understand the long view is for us to be surrendered to God. The short view is that we are to concentrate, focus on one day at a time as believers, as followers of the Lord, and trust Him on a daily basis. Not tomorrow. You're not trusting for tomorrow. You're trusting for today. You're not trusting for next week. You don't even know next week will be here. God could come back. And matter of fact, on, on making even plans for the future, he says to his followers, don't even say that this will happen or that will happen. Say, if the Lord wills, this will happen. If the Lord wills. So you trust God today for the rest of this day. Whatever time you're watching this, you're trusting God for the rest of this day. And then when you go to sleep, you're shutting it all out. God's re reviving you. God's re-energizing you. And you're starting off the next day all fresh again. And God says, I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you strength. I'm going to give you direction for that day. It's a principle all through the Word of God. If you look back in the Bible, and I'm not going to show you the verse for this, but if you look back at the Bible when God's people were walking around the walls of Jericho, this in the Old Testament, Joshua, who led these people around the walls of Jericho, we're looking at it in hindsight, we know what happened, but Joshua's army didn't know what was happening. And each day, you can go back and read this, very interesting, Joshua never told them the whole story. He never told them that they were going to walk around the, 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 the wall uh, once every day for seven days, and then on the seventh day, they're going to walk around it seven times, and then they're going to clang their cymbals, and they're going to smash their pots. He never told them all that. Each day they got up, and he gave them direction. What was, what was that a foreshadowing of? What I just read. Don't worry about tomorrow. When you get up, God's going to direct your path. Doesn't it say that God will direct the path of a righteous person and lead them? Yes. So over and over again, that God gives us enough sight to see that day. He doesn't tell you the whole story. In, a, in the Bible, he tells you in an in a overarching rainbow effect, but he doesn't give you all the details that we want every day. And don't try to fill in those spaces by watching news all day. Get into the Word of God. Focus on one day of, as, as you can. We as believers are, are, are like travelers that are just passing through. And we're not to be, uh, I guess, you will experience ups and you will experience downs in this travel. And this virus concern is just one of those experiences. You're going to experience things like that. You know what? But this won't be the only time you'll experience something like this. There may be another time that we shut down for something else. Who said that there won't be? And are we going to react the same way that we did during this time? Or are we going to use this time as a learning experience on how that, yes, God is my source. Jesus reminds us of, of the importance of living for the present, not for yesterday, not for tomorrow, but today. Now, listen, it isn't wrong to remember the past, and it isn't wrong to plan for the future, but don't live in the past. And don't live in the future. Live now. 
Enjoy the now. I often say, enjoy the journey. It's not only in the destination. It's in the journey. Enjoy it. It's why, that's why someone said it. That's why today is called the present. It's a present. It's a gift. I, I love that. So God's best for you will come to you when you remember the past, plan for the future, but live in the present. And that I hope that during this time of isolation and you're distancing yourself, I hope that you're truly reflecting upon your relationship with God. Are you doing that? I hope that you are. And as a pastor, it's my desire that you would surrender your life to God. You say, you say Doug, I, I don't know how to do that. Well, I can lead you in a prayer, and I'll be glad to do that. The Bible tells us that now is the accepted time. Today is the day of salvation. Nobody's promised tomorrow. I just went over that. So right now, would you give your life to Christ? Maybe you're not following him. You've been doing your own thing. You've had your own agenda. You had your own strategy. But I'm telling you, there's a great God out there. I've never seen him. I've never personally heard him. It's all by faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. So the amount of faith that you have right now, God will take that faith. He'll take it. You say, Doug, I don't have enough faith in that. Listen, it takes more faith to believe in evolution than it does in Almighty God. God's already told us how he created the world. But man, with evolution, there's a lot of theories out there. It takes a lot of faith for that. Won't you just trust God today? Won't you just bow your head right there where you're at and just say in your heart something like this, God, forgive me. I confess that I'm a sinner by practice and by nature, and I do not deserve your mercy. And I ask for your forgiveness. I ask for you to come into my life. Save me. Have mercy upon me. And from this day forward, I'm going to follow you the best that I know how. Say something like that. Now, that's just my words. You'll have to make your own words. And God hears you. God does that. You may not hear an audible voice. You may not sense anything special. You may not even cry. But God hears from the heart. And if you've done that, I want to hear from you. I want to help you in this faith journey that you've just embarked upon. 